Good morning. As you're making your way to your seats, some of you may be wondering what uh, is going on. We had our annual Christmas concert last night, and we missed some of you there. Um, but we had a, a, a pretty good crowd from Spartanburg and Greenville, and some of my folks out from Slater came. Um, and uh, we had a wonderful time of worship. And so that's what all the decorations and everything are for. And uh, some of the songs we'll be doing this morning, um, are actually all the songs are from that concert. And you might not be familiar with them, but um, the uh, words will be up there and you'll catch on pretty quick. I do want to say a quick word of thanks to uh, Greg Foster, who is our sound engineer. And um, he makes us really sound good all throughout the year, but especially during this concert and during this Christmas season. Um, he's a big part of the reason that uh, everything sounds well out there to you, because um, sometimes it sounds like a mess back here to us. Um, but uh, I also want to thank Stephen Kinnett, who is running the lights, which is a, a tall order, um, getting all these things coordinated and programmed in the right way. And um, I want to thank Alex Guest, who's been running the PowerPoint for us this Advent season, and, and last night actually ran two PowerPoints at the same time for the concert. Um, which, uh, yet again, is also a tall order, but he did a great job. And I want to thank the Hajimas and Lynn and Hank Pennington and all those who brought refreshments for last night's concert as well. Um, you, you all helped it, to make it what it was, and, and it was a really special night for us, and uh, I think it was for a lot of other people as well. So this first song we do is called, As Came to Pass. Yeah, you can stand. <laughs>
chose once the noblest of men with a woman on a donkey on their way to Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah. Might be a little bit more familiar with this one. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous
turn and greet those near you. And children, come over this way this morning over by the pulpit and join us for a few moments of sharing. Good morning. It's kind of dark in this corner. All right, Eli's going to pass out a candy cane to everybody, okay? So make sure you get one. No, he's got it. Make sure you give one to Allie behind you and Jenna. Yeah, oh, they're coming out of the woodwork now. Yeah, candy canes. Good morning, everybody. Are you ready for Christmas? I am very ready, too. This morning, I want to tell you about that candy cane. Um, how about don't open it yet. Let's wait until your mommy says it's okay before you eat it. But I want to talk to you about your candy cane, okay? This candy cane is kind of neat, yes, because you can use it, yes, in so many different ways. Did you know, I read a little bit of um, history about the candy cane. Did you know that um, when children were in church a long, long time ago, a long, long time ago, um, you know how sometimes in church children can be a little bit noisy and maybe babies cry a little bit in church? You know what? Um, a long time ago, I see you, Sean, what their parents would do? They would give them a little stick of candy, you know, kind of something a little like a candy cane, maybe there's the stick part, and they would put it in their mouth so that they could suck on that candy and not cry during church. Is that funny? Have you ever, has your mom and dad ever slipped you something during church that you'd just be quiet? Yeah. Okay, you can eat the rest later. No? Oh, yeah, slipping in color and sometimes to keep you quiet. Well, that was just something neat I found out about the candy cane. But I want you to, um, to look at your candy cane while I read you this, okay? It says, you could go fishing with it. Look at the candy cane, and what do you see? Stripes that are red like the blood shed for me. And what that's talking about is um, when Jesus died on the cross and the blood that he shed for us, he gave his life for us. So that's that the red stands for the blood of Jesus. White, see the color white on your candy cane? is for my Savior who is sinless and pure because Jesus didn't have any sin. He didn't do any wrong. So white stands for that. Can you make your candy cane look like a J? J is for G, uh, yes, a lowercase j. J is for Jesus, my Lord, that's for sure. Now turn it around, turn it the right way, and a staff you will see. The shepherds held big sticks that had that crook on the end, just like your candy cane, that were staffs. And Jesus, and you can reach out right, and if they were lost, you can grab them back in around their neck with that curvy part. So Jesus was my shepherd, 
because Jesus takes care of us, and when we're lost, he can grab us back in and pull us back to him. Jesus is my shepherd, and he was born for me. So next time you see a candy cane, maybe you can think about Jesus and his love for you and all the things that he did for you and the colors and the shape of the candy cane, how that's represented, okay? All right. Yes, the red will come off once you start eating it. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. We're getting lost. Dear Lord, thank you for Jesus and his birth. Help us to remember him during this Christmas time. Amen. And those who were listening just heard the genesis of the phrase, who licked the red off your candy? <laughs> I'm over here today, <laughs> in the dark. Uh, glad to see you here today. Glad that you could be a part of today's worship. If you're visiting with us, we hope you'll come back and be a part of all that this church does. We have Sunday school for all ages at 10 o'clock. We have, aha. We have uh, our traditional worship service at 11 o'clock. And then children and youth activities uh, most of the year uh, in, on Sunday afternoons. The children are on a little break right now. Um, youth have their annual uh, progressive dinner, I believe, tonight. Um, so winding down as we get closer to Christmas. But do come and visit with us as often as you're able to do so. If you have concerns on your heart today that you would like to share with us and that we might join you in prayer, we would invite you to write something on, a, on an index card and, and turn it back in in a few moments. Our ushers have a card for you. If you raise your hand uh, so that they'll try to be able to find you and get a prayer card to you and then write something down that you don't mind me repeating and then we will uh, share those concerns together uh, with this entire group of praying Christians. And we trust that uh, that will be of encouragement to you and help to those who, for whom we're praying. <clears throat> to the children, we remind them that the Sunday night program uh, will resume on Sunday, January the 9th. Um, let's see. That's three weeks away. I'm counting, right? Okay. January the 9th, so listen for more details coming soon. Our preschool children's Sunday school classes are in need of teachers starting in January. If you can volunteer, please see Katie Jeter. Thank you for your willingness to help with this important ministry here at Memorial. Also, um, because of June Melton's husband's illness and her having to be out of the office, um, a few things got dropped uh, by the wayside this year, unfortunately. One is some folks who were not present the day we had our pledge Sunday are still saying, I, did, I don't have a pledge card. Well, if you're here today, the pledge cards are near the exit back there, um, along with offering envelopes um, for those of you that did make pledges for the coming year. I'm not sure whether they're back near the back door or actually outside. Are they outside? Okay, in the hallway. So um, we invite you to set yourself a goal for your giving next year. I think you will find, as I do, that I do better when I set myself a goal and hold myself accountable for what, uh, 
for what I uh, will, will give to the Lord. So uh, we invite you to do that. And again, envelopes are back there as well. We remind you again on behalf of the Finance Committee that uh, we are really hoping to be able to pay out all of our apportionments this year. Uh, we may not make it. And the Methodist Church uh, funds needed for our world missions and all the things we do are apportioned, divided up among the different congregations uh, using a formula not based on membership size but on wealth of a congregation. And they determine that by looking at uh, how much a congregation spends on itself and then ask you to give a percentage of that to the work of the church nationally and internationally. We have given 100% since 1992. Uh, will the circle be unbroken? I hope so. Let's, uh, let's make special contributions if need be to help us uh, continue meeting our goal. I want to call your attention to a couple of concerns. One is uh, Jack Four's sister passed away this last week very unexpectedly and Jack is with us today and our prayers are with the family. Sylvia Pitt's mother also passed away late in the week and so our thoughts and prayers are with her as well. If you have your uh, prayer cards ready, if you would hold them up for our ushers to retrieve, uh, we will join together in a time of prayer as quickly as we can collect those prayer cards. Let us join our hearts together for a time in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we are thankful for this day, and we're thankful for this time to remember the birth of Jesus, our Savior. And these are our special prayers for this day. We pray for the troops in harm's way and their family, families and loved ones. We pray with all those traveling this holiday season and with those who cannot be with their family. We pray for Luke Hall, who is in the hospital for Christmas. We pray for a friend's father who was recently diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. We pray for Tim and Jenny Bright as he battles colon cancer. We pray for your safety to be with Tom Richforth and his team in Afghanistan and for healing for Lori Moore and Mike Berg. We pray for a mother recovering from intensive chemo treatment. We pray for those who are feeling lonely this Christmas season. We pray for a friend that is lost out in the ways of the world. Lord, these are our prayers for this day. We commit them into your loving, caring hands as we trust in you, as we pray the prayer our Lord taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the 
power, and the glory forever. You know, if you go to the movies and you look for products on screen, that's the way they make secret endorsements. Blue Ridge Sewer. Okay, good. <laughs> for those of you who live in Blue Ridge, <clears throat> we now turn to the lighting of the Advent uh, candles, and it's going to be Neil, Kathy, and Kristen Weiss leading us today in the fourth week of our celebration. What? Oh, Heather Weiss. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 89, verse 1. The darkness shall turn to dawning and the dawning to noonday bright. And Christ's great kingdom shall come to earth the kingdom of love and light. Thank you all. The scripture lesson is from Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Here ends the lesson. Let me see something here a minute. So it came to pass that Joseph was the noblest of men with a woman on a donkey on the way to Bethlehem. And I wonder whether either was aware enough that day to know the child would bring a, bring a kingdom and the old would come to pass away. So sang Memorial's praise band in our concert last night and again this morning. It's interesting to me, Christmas is all about Jesus and the church is all about Jesus. So it may have seemed strange to you that throughout the Advent season, we've been talking about other people, lesser lights, so to speak, like John the Baptist, Zechariah and Elizabeth, 
And today we're spending time on Joseph. But the Bible does contain lots of stories about human beings, about heroes, and we can always use a little inspiration in our lives from examples of people who gave all they had in response to the love they experienced from God. Even though we know very little about Joseph, we can see that he was indeed among the noblest of humans, and I think we can find some points of inspiration in his life. One of the things that we do know about uh, Joseph is his pedigree. He was a descendant of King David. Matthew believed that there were 28 generations between David and Jesus, and we do know that it was about a millennium, a thousand years, and so that's about right. From the little bit that I learned last year in my own study of genealogy, uh, you ought to do that and find out who all you're kin to way back down the line. Uh, I'm a pilgrim. I had three ancestors on the Mayflower. I didn't know that till last year. That's, I guess, why uh, I have that Puritan streak in me. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> so serious all the time, right? So anyway, but, but it's probably true that there were lots of people in Joseph's day that could claim uh, ancestry to King David. Uh, it's what happens over a thousand years. Those genes spread out and lots of folks could claim that heritage. There is general agreement among biblical scholars that Joseph died before Jesus began his public ministry. Although this is based on largely circumstantial evidence, mainly that Joseph is never mentioned during the ministry of Jesus, but Mary's name is mentioned, and Jesus' brothers and sisters are mentioned, but Joseph never. And that may explain why, jo why Jesus was 30 when he began his public ministry. He was needed to run the family business <clears throat> while Mary took care of the little brothers and sisters of Jesus in the home. Perhaps Jesus was busy learning patience from his experience of Joseph's early death, learning that he needed to wait upon God's timing to begin his public ministry. But there were some truly important things about Joseph's character traits that were godlike, that greatly influenced Jesus and became a part of his life. For one thing, Joseph was open-minded to new ideas and that is a wonderful trait. What the angel said to Joseph about Mary's baby went against everything Joseph had learned in the synagogue and according to the traditions of his people, not to mention what went against common human reasoning. Whoever heard of a virgin birth? The next time you hear somebody say that they have trouble believing in the virgin birth, just tell them that Joseph and Mary had a lot of trouble believing it too. But what the angel told Joseph rang true in his heart. He knew that he knew Mary and he knew God. And so Joseph was open to the possibility that this was something new, a new revelation happening. You know, Jesus was one who was constantly open-minded also. He doesn't assume that Oops, I'm one slide behind. 
Jesus does not assume that because a person has made mistakes in the past that he or she will always make mistakes. Jesus believed that his children could change, that you and I can change. Perhaps this is why Jesus could see opportunities and possibilities in people's lives and give them hope like no one else ever did before. Maybe that's why his ministry was world-changing. We are told that Joseph was a righteous man. That means that he was in right standing with God, but it means also that he always tried to do the right thing. And for Joseph, doing the right thing never meant making himself look right while making everybody else look wrong. We live in a strange time when world leaders and even our politicians at home seem to believe that making themselves look right means making everybody else look bad, look wrong. And I, I'm getting a little tired of that. I hope you are too. Joseph and Mary had celebrated a rather public engagement and formal, formal joining together. It was more like our marriage ceremony, even though they didn't uh, live in the same home for a few months yet. Um, it was customary then, if that engagement had to be broken, that it also be very public. Uh, it was more like a divorce in that day. Everybody would know that something caused the breakup, and everybody would want to know whose fault was it? Who made up their minds not to get married and why? For Joseph's future in the community, it would be very helpful to him if he was able to show that it was Mary's fault. His right standing in the community depended upon that, but not his right standing with God. Joseph wasn't one who would save his own reputation at the expense of someone else's. He had determined to be very private as he dealt with the lawyers and the priests. It would be good for us to discover that kind of righteousness, wouldn't it? A righteousness that protects one another and protects others even in an apparent case of unrighteousness. It would be good for us to learn how to seek merciful justice. This trait of Joseph found its way into the life of Jesus because it was also a trait of the Heavenly Father. And Jesus went every, everywhere with his Father's mercy as he dispensed God's righteousness. Joseph was also an obedient man. He obeyed God without question because he knew that God wouldn't have asked him for something if he didn't need it. Wise children eventually learn that it's best for them to trust and obey their parents. And Joseph was wise, a wise child of God. He knew that only fools dare to disobey parents and Almighty God, and that obedience to God would be met with blessings. He obeyed and was blessed with a wonderful wife. In, their, in time, their home was blessed not only with a son, Jesus, but also with sons, James, Joseph, Simon, Jude, and unnamed daughters. 
Why did Joseph obey God? Because God needed him to. Because God asked him to. Because Mary needed him. And because Jesus needed a daddy. Now one of Jesus' character traits was also obedience. Jesus was obedient even unto death. When Jesus died on the cross and people asked why, God answered, because you needed him to. Joseph was also a courageous man. You see the courageous mouse there? A picture of courage. <clears throat> Joseph was a courageous man. He accepted God's challenge even though he knew that it would not be an easy road. Joseph stood by Mary even when it meant fleeing to Egypt away from Herod. He was willing to take upon himself the gossip that was to fall upon Mary, the unwed mother, and take that as his own. Now whenever the gossips talked about Mary, he would share her blame. He bore her sin. How like Jesus that was, who knew no sin but bore ours. Jesus was indeed a man of great courage as well. He went down to the Jordan River and identified himself with a group of sinners who had come to be baptized by John. From the very start of his ministry, he let it be known that he would be wherever there were sinners who needed salvation. Wherever there were sick in need of a great physician, he took all of those stigmas upon himself. Whenever the gossips talked about those sinners over there, they were pointing at Jesus too, who ate with sinners, who taught them, who shared their blame and their shame. He stood by us when it meant not fleeing in the face of a cross when it meant dying and descending into hell for us. Jesus learned to be a man of courage because he had seen this lived out in Joseph, his stepfather, and he knew this to be part of God as well. So it came to pass that Joseph was the noblest of men with a woman on a donkey on the way to Bethlehem. He influenced Jesus with traits of honor, love, mercy, and courage, open-mindedness, and obedience. Because of Joseph, Jesus learned to do what he must do in order to save us. God's only begotten son was like his heavenly father, his earthly mother, and his earthly father, the noble Joseph. Amen. I invite you now to stand as we affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth.
Please be seated and we invite the ushers to assist us as we worship God by giving.
singer though. You are God, and you will reign. Oh, 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 oh
God and peace be on the earth. Your name is near, Emmanuel. God with us here, God pleased with us to dwell. Now may you go forth in peace and may you be inspired by the noble Joseph and those good character traits that he passed on to his son Jesus our Lord the son of God amen Have a great week. Oh, have a Merry Christmas. <laughs>